Welcome everybody to another exciting episode of the Complainers Compound. I am your host, Roberto Montez. Today's episode is on shame. First off, fuck this episode. There's always an unforeseen cost to looking back at the low points in your life. Introspection is hard because it asks you to revisit moments that we tried forgetting or tried hiding. In exchange for forgiveness towards yourself, introspection needs you to hurt one more time. I'm ready to change my narrative. I'm over feeling ashamed. I deserve to feel loved. We are all damaged, not just me. Sometimes I make mistakes, but so do you. Enough with the self-righteousness. I'm ready to listen with intent. But it's time I listen to myself that way. My parents, ex-wife, and all who judged me might have made wrong assumptions about me that led to my belief that I wasn't meant for love. But that's not true. It's so scary to face what it is you're shameful about. Because shame is a pernicious emotion. It hides and tangles itself in your everyday life and narrative. Here's a short story where it hid in my life. Growing up, my dad was an asshole. Yeah, I get it. Your dad was an asshole too. This is why we're listening, right? Shame can burrow itself at an early age, especially when love isn't expressed or accepted. Growing up, I had the luxury to see my parents fight almost daily. I honestly thought it was never going to end. Imagine wanting your dad to notice you and wanting him to notice your mother. I started to believe that to be noticed, I had to be worthy of being noticed. At an early age, I believed that in order for love to work, I had to find the one. A specific person. Only one person. The one for me had to look like my first crush. Her name was Tiffany. I believe I was nine years old. She was probably ten. Tiffany was Hispanic, like a curvy Hispanic girl with like dark hair and dark eyes. She also never knew I really existed, and when she did, she definitely thought I was disgusting. Okay, let's recap. Dad never noticed me. Mother wanted to feel love from her husband. The girl in my dreams thought I was gross, and I was destined to convince her otherwise. As years went by, I chose to never date. I, I never wanted a girlfriend. I was pretty scared, to be honest with you. I knew I had a specific type. But the truth was, I was just afraid to fail. Failing meant, if I failed, it meant that I was going to have daily fights and an inevitable divorce. So that was already in my psyche. Fighting and divorce. An ugly divorce, too. How can I fail if I never try? That was my mentality. Stupidest thing I've ever done, by the way. That all changed the day I met Ellie. She was a 20-year-old version of Tiffany. And just like Tiffany, Allie thought it was gross. To prove my worthiness, I wrote a 15-minute comedy show at the restaurant we worked at. And it killed. It was pretty funny. And she started noticing me after that, I would say. At least, that's how I portrayed the story. <laughs> we dated uh, briefly, broke up, and she got pregnant. 
check this shit out. She didn't want to be with me even though I told her I loved her. I really accept that when she told me, hey, I, I don't think this will work. She's a very cut and dry person, but she's very, she was very real with me, at least with her emotions, and she didn't want to, to lie. I said, okay, we'll try to make it work. So I still moved into her apartment, and we we shared all the tasks together. I mean, raising a child for the first year on separate rooms. I would come home, you know, 10 o'clock, she'd give me Audrey, and I'd bring Audrey in my room, and Audrey hated sleeping, so it sucked for the first nine months. Uh, after that, I remember I was going to move out, but we decided to keep it going and to try to make it work and date. So we tried to make it work for about uh, seven and a half years until it was over. Allie and, and I, as people, had it rough. We weren't meant for each other, but we fought hard to make it work. As parents, I would say I had a blast. I can't speak for Allie, but I had a really good time. As cautiously as our relationship started, it definitely ended with resentment and neglect. It just wasn't working. It wasn't working for many, many years. So let's recap. Uh, Dad sucked. I needed to be the best to get noticed. Waited for my dream girl age 24. Technically never had a girlfriend. Even still at age 35, which is kind of funny. Uh, got my dream girl pregnant and married her only to find out she wasn't very happy <laughs> with the marriage. Okay. No matter what, uh, I felt like I wasn't ever good enough. That was the beginning of it. To think I thought drinking would help. I honestly thought the more I drank, the more I could hide. And that's what shame wants you to do is hide. Drinking is dangerous because, especially when you feel ashamed, because it, it wants you to hide more. It wants you to create more secrets. It wants to get tangled even deeper. Drinking gave me a reason to mourn my way. It made me feel okay to treat others like shit. I'd always blame drinking. Oh, I made a mistake. It was because of drinking. People got used to that narrative too. Oh, Roberto made a mistake. He was just drinking. He's, he's a kind guy. He cares about you. But, you know, when he's drunk, he acts this way. So, you know, we'll give him a pass. It's not fair. That was something that I um, I always knew. But drinking just allowed me to hide. I've always had a great time in the beginning. But I didn't know how to stop. Once I, Once I got separated in 2019... Drinking, I, I started noticing that drinking just made me um, made me feel feel frozen. I was I couldn't think for myself anymore. It wasn't even to communicate with others or to have a good time with others. Drinking just kept me quiet, and I knew this was not going to work. So slowly, I had to get out of that. Um, drinking is here to help me. Once you're depressed. Even the taste of alcohol doesn't doesn't do it for you because you're almost worried of the of the of the feeling you're gonna have the psychological effects after you know your beers or your shots you almost become afraid to get even deeper into the psychosis <laughs> it's, it was it was crazy so I had to stop that for sure. What is shame? 
Shame is I am a bad person. Guilt, if you're wondering, is I did something bad. Shame focuses on behavior. Guilt focuses on the self. Shame is the fear of not being enough. Guilt is the psychological discomfort created by the cognitive dissonance between our behavior and who we want to be. This is a lot from Brene Brown, by the way. She focuses a lot of her attention on, on shame and how to cope with it. I would say this paragraph is on an episode with her and Tim Ferriss, her second episode with Tim Ferriss. That's where I get a lot of this information, by the way. Here are some examples on how shame grows. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. Remember, it's never enough for shame. It wants more secrets, more silence, and more self-judgment. Shame constantly asks, who do you think you are? You think you're worth it? Do you even have self-worth? I think you're worthless. Shame can grow when you're usually a high performer too. Or you're super busy or have lots of projects to complete. When you don't complete them or act lazy or tired, shame says, See, I knew you'd give up. You're not worth it. You're not good enough. It doesn't take in consideration that you could feel lazy some days, tired some days, not all there some days, not the highest performer some days. Shame has to remind you that you told it that you were the highest performer, that you would complete these things. Remember? You got to give yourself some credit here. Shame can hide in our idea of what's perfect. If our standards are too high with no method on how to achieve our goals, shame can manifest as a deterrent. I think it's important to constantly check your standards. Are you being too hard on yourself? Are you alienating others or aligning yourself with your goals? It's okay to have high standards. Just make sure you have a strategy that keeps you consistent and happy. Here's a quote. Here's a nice quote from my favorite author, Alain de Botton. The primary sin of those who made us feel ashamed was not so much that they spotted our flaws. It's that they forgot their own awfulness and then had the gall to blame us for our own. I really love that guy. As years went by, I chose to never date, not just because I had a very specific type. What the fuck am I doing? Oh, I read that shit. <laughs> That's funny. Perfect. Oh, it's awesome. It was a short episode. All right, well, here we go. Look, shame is a visceral word. The only way to combat to combat a negative visceral word is by using other positive words of the same magnitude. Check this out. Love, acceptance, and gratitude, empathy. When you say, I love who I am, and I accept who I am, you feel instantly relieved. For how long, that's up to you. But when you use... Words like gratitude or show gratitude and have empathy, I think it lasts longer, the feeling, I believe. It lingers longer, having gratitude and empathy. That's why I always talk about gratitude and empathy, especially with the uh, company I'm starting, the Guatemalan Way, the G-Way. And it has to focus on gratitude, having gratitude and empathy. Love and acceptance, those are hard. Accepting love and self-acceptance, that takes some work. 
it's just a little bit easier. I'm not saying gratitude and empathy is easy. I'm saying yeah, it's a little bit easier. But the but those words have a lot of meaning behind it. The magnitude of it can really destroy shame, which is really cool. Um, Brene Brown taught us that. Shame hates when you tell others your story on why we're feeling ashamed. Shame loves secrecy. And it... Um, Metastasizes, metastasizes, metastasizes. Um, it definitely buries itself in you. Also, empathy destroys shame. When we focus on understanding how habits work, express to others that we're, we're experiencing shame, eat healthy, drink water, exercise, and especially wake up saying, hey, I'm worth it, or I love myself and others, the feeling of shame slowly disappears. It really does. Trust me, you're worth it. You always were. Go ahead, tell others you are, that you're worth it. Show them. I'm excited that you and I have realized that uh, we are special and that we are trying to accept ourselves and we are trying to love ourselves. It feels good. I don't do this often, but I got to take a deep breath and relish in the moment that I do love myself. It's a great feeling. For the record, my re uh, relationship with my ex-wife and father and myself, it has never been better. I love them and myself tremendously. Uh, every day, those two, my especially, I call my father as much as I can. My mother, too. But I never had, like, a bad relationship with her. Or, you know, not as bad as my with my father. But I love talking to him. He's, he's, he's always there for me. Even my ex-wife, as insane as she is, um, I rely on her as well. I, could, I trust her. She's extremely reliable, and that's good. And I'm taking care of myself a little bit better. I've accepted who I am, or I'm trying to accept who I am every day. But the truth is I do love myself. I do love the person I'm becoming. It feels good. It definitely does. I hope this episode has helped you. I hope you realize if you need someone to talk to or just say, hey, I need to dump this feeling of resentment on somebody. Just know, I think for some people, that's a lot for whatever reason. But I think when it comes to me, when people dump issues like that on me, because I've contemplated so much, it doesn't linger in my heart or makes me feel uneasy. I just feel happy that you're dumping it on me that one that you trust me that you're showing vulnerability because that's just going to grow our relationship every day vulnerability does humility and me listening with intent and saying wow that's amazing that you're able to say those things to me you trust me I, I don't I'm not a clinical therapist I don't have anything you know I, I, I can't I can only suggest so much the best I can do is listen and say, I'm happy that you said those things. Thank you so much. And you should say the same thing. I f like if I'm the one telling you an issue, well, I feel so good. I'm proud of myself for, for saying that to you, Roberto. You know, I want to move on. I want to create a, a better life for myself. And then after that, you've got to get into the process of understanding how habits work, how to detangle bad habits, um, how to stay consistent and disciplined, some things that I'm always working on. Um, you got people you can listen to on Instagram. I know David Goggins might be a little bit too much for some people. But sometimes, you know, when you listen to him in little 
at least <laughs> once a month for 30 seconds. You should listen to David Goggins at least because he will remind you, stop being a little bitch and, um, you know, get after it, which is kind of cool. But thank you so much for listening. I had a great time recording this. I'm happy I did. It took a long time to get this out in the ether. I think I wanted to to hide a little bit longer. But today seemed like a great day to let go. Thanks for listening.